Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hour number three, I'll kick 360 from sixth and Peabody. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine. Glad you're with us with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Jacob Swanson, Dylan Taylor making the show happen. David Reed is the chairman of the board. Hit us up on Twitter at I'll kick 360. Join us in the YouTube chat. Chad is always extremely busy in the chat room there. And uh, shout out across the network, Upper Cumberland here uh, across the uh, Middle Tennessee area. With Sports Radio 104.7, we say hello to everyone listening there. Say hello to Fox Sports Knoxville, Fox Sports Shoals, uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Florence, Alabama. Shout out to everyone there. Great to have you on board with Outkick 360. The foliage right now in the Upper Cumberland is magnificent. Sports Radio 104.7, if you're listening, few things make me happier than this time of year. When it's cold for the first time, when you see the foliage, when you see the, the trees turning, bright colors. Your eyes have seen the glory. You better see them before My 3 o'clock. My eyes have seen the glory. <laughs> see them before 3 o'clock because it's dark. It is. It's a beautiful sight to behold. Um, Paul, Titans news and notes. They made a couple roster adjustments today, yeah. um, but they had some spots available. Well, on their active roster. Everybody's favorite, Cody Hollister, is back on the, he is uh, back. On the practice squad. So that's an exciting development as they look for depth. Was he hurt uh, early not, in I'm the not, season? I don't remember. I could pretend to remember, but I don't. Well, um, he's back. They signed uh, the special teams hero of the weekend, Dylan Cole, to the active roster. And uh, that's, act- like, uh, that's like the walk-on getting rewarded with a scholarship in front of the team. Oh, yeah. Bringing him up after a play like that to the active roster. He wore a marvel- uh, marvelous jacket, uh, Technicolor dream coat after the game, and said that two weeks ago he would have expected he would have been watching the game on his porch. So you got to like that candor. And Derek Roberson activated from IR. So there's some depth depending on the level Roberson's of bad birthday news. birthday, too, I think. Uh, is that right? I think so. You saw the Titans send out a birthday message? They did. They did. I'm Those like, birthday oh, messages You know what I thought? Gold. I said, oh, they're even, they're even sending out birthday messages for guys on IR. And now it makes sense because he's coming off IR. If he was on IR, do we think they would no, have sent it they would have. They still do that. Well, we know one guy was very offended when he didn't get a birthday message. And he was... Who uh, was that? <laughs> it was Isaiah Wilson. Was it? <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, Isaiah Wilson gets offended at... You know, others being offended, apparently. Yeah. So, um, Derek Roberson, you know, might be a big deal if uh, if the news is bad on Bud Dupree. I don't know how much they'll tell us or won't tell us. I do suspect they won't. The further you go towards Wednesday without hearing anything, the less information you'll get. So, it'll probably be an injury report reveal tomorrow uh, about how little he practices uh, with the abdominal injury that came up in one snap on Sunday. But not good news uh, regarding Bud Dupree. Uh, if he's a full participant tomorrow, it'd be very odd. Um, Isaiah Wilson remains on the Giants practice squad. I wonder how many bills he's down. Yeah, I mean, you would think he's got to be losing weight on that practice squad to be on that practice squad. Maybe somebody will send out a picture of again of him soon walking off the field. 
they lost Nate Solder. Um, I'm looking through all their injuries. Maybe they may have to call him up at some point. Isaiah Wilson's replacement, Dylan Radens, uh, inactive. Yeah, against the Saints. So let, let's talk about the good players on this Titans roster <laughs> because there are a number of them that, in thinking about the postseason accolades, All Pro and Pro Bowl. You know, this is the time of year where they're, the NFL is about to start sending out all of those online votes for fans, and that's one-third of the vote and all that. They're about to put the Blitzkrieg on for the online voting as part of their ads. Um, and, and, and to get ahead of that storyline, I'm looking through this roster, and I'm thinking defensively, at every level, you can come up with a guy that's deserving of Pro Bowl honors. David Long won't get it, but... Whatever he's and, and he's I, missed a couple, and games. that's no, I know, and and that's no fault of his own. No one knows who David Long is across this league. Yeah, it's hard to get noticed it, too as an inside linebacker. Usually, don't get noticed too. Fans and media barely know how to pronounce Kevin Byard's name. They don't know who David Long Jr. is, but David Long has been very good. Yes. Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry are Pro Bowlers and potential All Pros. Yes, Jeffrey Simmons. It's funny we talked to Terrell Williams, the defensive line coach today. He said. You know, he's getting a lot of notice for these two games with with the collective five five sacks. Is that right? Three and two, yeah. Five sacks. He said he had Over he the actually, last two weeks. actually had more impact against the Colts with I think I think no sacks. So he's making his point, you know, and he's long. That's, made that's his point. the that's the lesson that coaches like to make. Yeah. Don't worry about the sacks. Let's go Especially back to the Especially for an game. interior interior defense. Where he really line. knocked in that wedge perfectly on those plays yeah. and made something happen. He's been a game changer. Yes. And a game wrecker. I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. He's he pops. When you watch the defensive line and you don't have to watch the defensive line, watch the game, watch the ball. That guy is disrupting things. But it's that first half of the Sunday night football game in LA that will throw him over the top in terms of Pro Bowl voting for a lot of people. And, and probably some all-pro voting. I mean, that's a highly visible game. Everybody's watching it, colleagues and, uh, and fans and coaches, quite frankly, come home after their own Sunday night game, particularly if you're at home, and have a chance probably to kick back and more likely to see that game than other, any other game all week on any, regular television. Any Pro Bowl contenders on offense? Uh, Bayer, like you're saying, definitely uh, worthy and yeah. back, back to form. On offense... Um, I think Ben Jones has not been as good as he was last year when he was probably worthy of consideration. I couldn't come up with one, by the way. Um, I think I'm going to have trouble coming up with one. Which is very surprising. Yes. That goes back to our this narrative team discussion. team has flipped. Yeah. This team has really flipped. Tannehill's down, um, and, and probably, you know, the, the one giant year was the takeover year, right? It's been a, a tick down the second year and two ticks down from that. And some year. of them are just the, the and, and there's a lot of good quarterbacking. Good good quarterbacking, but also Tannehill's numbers have fallen off a bit, not because of the style of offense or the new coordinator. That there are some the interceptions. Interceptions. It's and not every interception twelve to eight is just again, that's not, that's, we would not have predicted that. Now he's got how many? Five rushing touchdowns on top of that, but that doesn't usually get put into the mix. That right. those are not Pro Bowl numbers. Now he might go as a sixth alternate um, you know, if the Titans don't go to the and again, like the Super there's Bowl. still time to turn this around and, and grab hold of, uh, of of some momentum here. Uh, but Tannehill's the one for the discussion of okay, can the run game? Can you get enough out of the run game? Can you do this, 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 this to sustain what you're doing without Henry, without Julio Jones, whatever, whatever uh, caveat you want to put on the discussion. 
Tannehill is the player where his play can rise and and take over and elevate the play of players around him. Yeah, like he's the one guy. Uh, I brought this up on on Sunday Sports Central here in town, Paul uh, Chad. But I the, the the Tannehill aspect of this, it's time for him to elevate his play to another level, like we've seen from 2019 and 2020, which has been excellent. And the 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 poor throws. While you, every quarterback's going to have them, every quarterback's going to have interceptions. Um, to me, we've seen—I don't know if, uh, how to phrase this. That, that to me, we've seen more than what we would have thought we'd seen, even from a down year from Tannehill in this offense. You guys agree? Yes. It's not a tip yes. pass. It, I'm not talking about no, tip passes or 50-50 balls where it almost counts as a punt, just for you know throwing it downfield on a two-minute drill. Uh, there have been some throws into coverage where you just kind of raise an eyebrow and you go, man, that that that's not like what we've seen over the last year and a half. Yeah, he's throwing some bad balls. And um, I, it I doesn't think he look probably comfortable at his, times, too. Yeah, I think he probably cushions his stat, uh, his stats against some of these bad teams. But he's, some he's of it, not a Pro Bowl count. Some of it, I, I think, is also because of the pressure that he was facing to begin the season. You know, he sacked, what, 20 times in the first six weeks of the yeah, year. Yeah, that'll make you feel uncomfortable. Sure. You know who would be Pro Bowl caliber given in a different year? Uh, he's third in the AFC, so he's not going to make it this year. Chester Rogers is a punt returner. Is it 11.5? Yeah. Now he's behind Duvernay, who you've mentioned in recent weeks. Is it 16.3? Yeah, he's and he's having a terrific he's season. Awesome. So well, Chester Rogers could wind up there, uh, you know, if Duvernay's hurt or if the Ravens are in the Super Bowl um, or, or something like that. I know Pro uh, Bowl's Super Bowl guys don't go. Um, right. But. Uh, you know he's having a a, a very good season very, as a punt returner. Very underrated year for him in, in that area. And you know what, uh, Marcus Johnson, we 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 mentioned his five catches for a hundred yards last week. He also had three kickoff returns for like sixty. And I know that doesn't average out to all that much, but he I, I had to come out. I, what I saw on the kickoff returns with Marcus Johnson this past week, better. I would love to see that every week from the kickoff return group. You know there was a physicality and a tone setting to it. Um, where even he's trying to crash through and get three, four extra yards and not going down. I, I don't know. I just there was a different vibe. It was to a the little bit faster. Return. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. gathered a little bit more momentum. It felt like Steady, still the kickoff you, return in general is just special teams and defense carrying this team right now. Just well, like we it's, said, it, it's amazing that um, I was doing an interview earlier today on a on a Titans uh, podcast, and you go into every game. The expectation is, well, the defense should be fine. It's so weird. Yeah, it you is. Think about with this Titans team coming trust. into the season, because and it didn't start out that way this year. But as the years gone on, that that when the Titans had to get a stop to win on Sunday against the Saints, you just knew. It, I, I knew it was coming down to a two point conversion. You just felt it on that final drive. It's going to come down to a two point conversion, and you'd rather the Titans defense be on the field in that situation than the Titans offense for a two point conversion. And I, you felt okay about that. Stopping them for a two-point conversion that would tie the game wasn't the worst scenario because it was the Titans' defense that was going to be relied upon to make the winning play, which they did. And the Titans' defense actually, uh, you know, if you put the, the, the opposing offense at the two-yard line, it, it, that's been a strength of this team even when the defense has been, has been crappy. It um, has been. Now, it didn't turn out to be from the two-yard line, and I actually in some ways, worry about it more from the seven. Uh, not with that play call and execution. The defense, 
to me, the 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 area where they've really stepped up is right out of the gate. They in the first half, I mentioned that eighteen of their sacks have been in the first half of play, but in the first quarter, they have allowed the fifth fewest first quarter yards per game. They allow just sixty seven yards of first quarter offense. Now I bring this up because the Titans offense have been slow starters all season long for the most part. The Bills is the caveat here where they came out and had a great opening drive and they scored on their first like three or four possessions. It was awesome. We haven't seen that from this team other than that, that week. I know they got a field goal against the Jets, I believe, but nonetheless, they've been able to maintain and sustain their offense because their defense also starts fast. It's very hard to get going against this Titans yeah. front. I don't have this in front of me. You might, but my feeling is that they consistently play their best red zone defense early. And oftentimes if the other offense uh, gets moving or, you know, gets, gets some, some yardage, they wind up settling for field goal early. And it takes the wind out of the other team's sails because they feel like, hey, we've done a good job moving these 60 yards. Yeah. But then all of a sudden we're in third and 14 and our, our field goal kicker's coming on. And uh, I, I think there's a lot there. It, it gives the defense a quote-unquote win and it lets the offense feel like, you know, we don't have to go out there and go, oh, they just scored a touchdown. We got to go down and match with the touchdown. There's not any, you know, and it's not a panicky team. They wouldn't, they wouldn't panic if they're they down 14 nothing. But certainly when they can't get going early and it's only 3 nothing or 6 nothing, it, it's, that's nothing. No, they could stay within rhythm, right? They're, they're yeah, still, still within the run. flow of what they, what they want to accomplish. Still, still run, run with yeah. or without Derek Henry. That's right. Coming up, Paul's got three things to watch for this week as the Titans begin preparations for their divisional rival, the Houston Texans, coming to town this Sunday. They'll begin practice tomorrow. Three things to watch coming up. Also, three things to watch for the Vols as they take on South Alabama. All of that and more coming up this hour on Outkick 360. Coming up, three things to watch for as the Titans begin preparations for the Houston Texans. A question for you guys. How would Vrabel and Robinson respond to Teddy Bridgewater's attempt at that tackle? I would, the, the, let's I just would take hope out the, negatively. Yes. Yeah, I don't think they'd take it well. But I, I, think, your te- I, I well, think it's your teammates I know don't for take a fact well. they wouldn't. Who was it? It was the Raiders. The, the Titans were playing the Raiders. And Ryan Tannehill trucked this defensive lineman that was returning a fumble for a touchdown. Remember this? Yes. Just waylaid him. That's the attitude that I feel like the Titans team would have. Meanwhile, in Denver, with Vic Fangio, you've got this guy making it. And look, let's also give credit to Teddy Bridgewater, who has been through the ringer when it comes to injuries. And he's thinking, I'm back from from a – he had a concussion, I believe. He's already back from a concussion. If it was a concussion, it was like a shoulder issue or a neck issue. And he's making a business decision not to go after the corner and try to tackle him on the, the fumble recovery. I so do with, think- all, with all that in, in mind, this guy thought about going for a tackle and then made a decision not to. I do think that there is a uh, – I don't think it has to be all or nothing. I mean, I don't think you need to go in there and risk life and limb. I, th- I know people get charged up by it, but I understand – the uh, Baker Mayfield side of, of this equation. But I think you could get in there and try to help redirect a guy. Yeah, knock him into someone. Put, put, yeah. Or push put your him hands or hold, and push. hold him. Hold push him. him or grab him. Yeah. Push you, or grab got, You don't you, have to level do him something. with your shoulder. This guy, yeah. I mean, don't Bridgewater appeared as though he was on the same team. 
Yeah, running right? beside. Th- that's him. that's the problem. Like he was part of the caravan. I mean, yes. I don't know how your natural instinct. Like it's it's odd to me that he would. I understand he's had a lot of bad injury history and all that, but that your natural instinct doesn't kick in and you at least like motion towards his feet to trip him up. Like, how do you make a business decision that quickly that I'm going to completely get away from this play when the guy's right next to me? I don't respect it at all. I, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I part of me doesn't care about his injury history because, and and I think Paul, you're right. You don't have to go all in. You know, go and try to crush the guy, but you can easily. He's a professional athlete. You, yes. he can go to the ground at his feet and lunge. Pull and try knee. to try Pull to trip him up. You want or at make, least slow him down for the next guy to get. It's him. like Fangio said. Fangio just simply said, "Hey, I'm I'm not looking for him to make the play. I'm looking for him to help make a play, right? And I think that's what Paul's also saying here. It's like be a part of the solution instead of just getting out of the way. But for those that had, did not see the fumble recovery, it was Darius Slay. It was a fourth and one attempt where. Honestly, Denver should have tried to kick a field goal here. It would have been a seven-point game if you make it. It was a very makeable kick. It would have made it a one-possession game. Instead, they fumble on fourth and one. Darius Slay picks it up. It's almost like a rugby play where it bounces out, and Darius Slay picks it up, runs one direction, spins around, runs back the other direction. As he weaves through, he gets back to Bridgewater. Bridgewater, for a brief moment made a slight move towards Slay and then reconsidered reconsidered and turned the opposite way. Almost like, Running away from him. Need to get out of your way. My bad. Uh, like he was at a crosswalk and he accidentally stepped into the street before the light so, turned. For sorry, ma'am. Yeah. And, <laughs> After you. And it, it, again, this wasn't like a huge linebacker. This wasn't uh, Cam Newton size. It was guy. a corner. This was a, a speedy corner where if you just, if you just knock him into a defender, you slow him down and you don't allow the touchdown. It was it was weak. It was weak. And it's something I don't think the coaching staff here would stand for. Yeah, that I attempt, think, that I think lack of effort. Most coaching staffs. Uh, and uh, I, I think Bridgewater, based on what Fangio said publicly, probably got an earful privately. I would hope so. Well, it's just, it, it, it's to me, it's not as much about coaching staff as he, he did your cool. locker room. Here's a quote from him. Like the, the the linemen, guys on a team, they they love Ryan Tannehill, for instance, going after and hitting the guy, right? When you do that, you lose respect from your locker room. Re, uh, here's um, Bridgewater, excuse me. He says, re-watched it today as a team. Coach Fangio pointed it out. He said, my effort had to be better there, and I totally agree. That's not the type of tape that I want to put out there. It's one of those situations where you get pissed after you watch it because you know how much this game means to you. You know guys are out there trying to make a play. It's like you feel like you got a little help running toward the sideline to try to force a cutback, but when you slow it down, it's like, man, I have to give more effort. You watch it and you walk away from it, upset at yourself at the effort. Well, or five and five. That's, uh, he should have, yeah. That's that's a five and five quarterback speaking That's a five right and there. five quote, yeah. Uh, they, the quote's fine, but it's just... Again, I'm I'm going to go back to the the natural reaction for someone playing a sport. That's not it. Right. So you really had to fight your own internal instinct while a, a, the ball was live and a play was happening and the guy with the ball was right next to you. This was not to fourth quarter down by 30. Or you lack that instinct. Or you lack that instinct. There's no way Teddy Bridgewater lacks that instinct. I just I, 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 I refuse I, to believe that. I 
I think there's p- potential that he lacks that instinct in that situation after the injuries that he's had, that those yeah, injuries I, have taken that instinct out of him. Yeah, it would be similar to what Terod Taylor has been through, where every time he gets an opportunity, he you know has a terrible hamstring injury that keeps him out for two months or whatever. You know, it's just always there's always something that pops up, and that has been Teddy Bridgewater's career as well. I'm not I'm not here to say that he shouldn't give more effort. I'm I'm sitting here saying he should. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of is in trying to explain what I saw as a quarterback who's who has been through a lot to get back in a starting role has it and wanted to keep it for at least another week. The problem is <laughs> it's tough to respect that. If he's leading your team, the quarterback is the leader of your team and he's giving that type of effort. That's not good. That's not a good look. He's saying all the right things post game. The problem is he's not showing you that effort in game. They're in the quarterback market after this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. No for matter sure. what. All right. Three things uh, also in the quarterback market, the Houston Texans, terrible team. Um, Three things, Paul, you're watching for is the Titans, who sit at eight and two, and uh, need another win over Houston just to get to nine and two, and potentially continue to extend their lead in the AFC. The first of my three things, brace yourself, contains three things. Don't let them do anything that they're slightly good at. They're slightly good at three things. You, the Titans have to defend third down. Texans are slightly good on third down. They're tied for 17th in the league. For the Texans, that qualifies as good. Defend third down well against a team that's 32nd on offense, 31st on the run, 29th in the pass. We don't like to talk yardage. That Those are very big statements on yardage. No doubt. To tell a big story. Stop punt returner Desmond King, a guy that they know well from his time here down the stretch last season. He's only got five punt returns. He's averaging 10.6 yards. It'd be good if you clobbered him early. Don't let them get an easy first down. Jonathan Grenard, defensive end, seven sacks in seven games. He's good he at is, sacking the quarterback. He is flashing uh, the type of talent that we saw at Florida. Stop these three things. Those are the three things I think Houston is best at. Now, where are they going to line Grenard up on Lawan's side, or is he the is he going to line up on the right? I am not completely uh, because certain. without Whitney Merciless, Whitney Merciless, by the way, was traded to Green Bay, and he's now on IR. He's having season-ending surgery. Um, Depth chart-wise, they list him on the right. So he'll be going against. So he Luan. would be going against Lawan, but I would think they'd be moving him around if they're smart. They should be number two. Run to pass. Let's not get excited about the Titans running well this weekend against a team that gives up 136 ground yards a game, that gives up 4.5 yards a carry, that gave up 5.6 to the mediocre Devin Singletary, that gave up 6.4 to James Conner. Not the week that I had James Conner <laughs> in, in the bet. Um, but they're going to run with some success here. Use that run to set up the pass and get your passing game going because you've had trouble. A.J. Brown's had trouble getting going the last couple of weeks. He's not going to face Jalen Ramsey or uh, another great corner, Marshawn Lattimore, get that second guy going again like Marcus Johnson got going. Well, let's, let's say Foreman. Let's go back to Foreman for a moment in the run game. Former team, right, against the Motivated Texans. for sure. Motivated. He's already motivated. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't buy into that either because this guy is, he's on the street two weeks ago. Yes. So he's motivated to prove a point and to stick around, but even more so against his former team that let him go that started this career that's been in flux for the last several years. Number three, I'd like to see Logan Woodside. 
in this game. Titans beat the Rams by like 12. That. They beat the Chiefs by 24. They beat the Jags by 18. But they beat the Saints by two, the Colts by three, the Bills by three. All of those teams, including the Jags, better than what we're going to see like on Sunday. How about a fourth quarter with, with, where there's no question that you're taking Ryan Tannehill out of the game? And you get to see Logan Woodside do something other than kneel down and maybe even let him throw a couple passes. Logan Woodside for the fourth quarter in this game. Dad, you want to see a little Logan Woodside action? Uh, sure. <laughs> why not? That sounds exciting. Logan Woodside. Bore um, us. Bore us in this game. Why? How tall is Logan Woodside? He was talking to Tannehill at one point. Tannehill six, was six or six one, probably dwarfing over him. Oh, he's probably taller than that. He does not look big. I've got it right here. Give Andy us the official Danny. height and weight. Official height and weight, Logan Woodside, 6'1", 213. Yeah. That was sizing him up to me. He's about Trevor Simeon's size. Right. But at least he wasn't in a sling. These backup like quarterbacks. Was he was not in a sling. What Let's I'm go. hearing from Hutton, these backup quarterbacks are all the same. They're all me. Those people. <laughs> Hutton is basically the same size as every NFL quarterback yeah. is what we've surmised. I would love to make that a career. As long as that NFL quarterback is Drew Brees or Trevor Simeon or Logan Woodside. That's Hutton. I mean, I'm taller than Chase Daniel. Yeah, he's not a big guy. Either. I'm 6'1". I, I just struck me when I saw Tannehill. I was like, who's the kicker that he's talking to on the sideline? Like, oh, that's Logan Woodside. Never mind. I thought he was talking to Randy Bullock for a second. They have similar hairstyles. Randy has two nicknames. <laughs> and neither of them would be suitable for Logan Woodside. <laughs> Nobody's I mean, look, ever lo- called Logan Woodside Logan either. Woodside's, like Logan, either Logan like Woodside Logan. is not Randy Bullock. He's also not DK Metcalf, if you know what I mean. Oh, no. he's closer to DK standpoint. Metcalf than he is uh, to Randy so, Bullock. DK Metcalf did. So, do you do you qualify? He was ejected from the game against Green Bay, and then he tried to stay in. He's like Bobby Valentine getting thrown out of a game. Dude, does that qualify as a punch? What you guys I saw? Didn't see it. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't think it was. It was like a shove. It was more like a he extended the a arm, pie but face. It, but it was in the shoulder. Yeah, area? No, it was in the face. I call it a pie face. Like this? Like a punch is like a strike. Face wash? Pie face is like, yeah, yeah like you kind of just shove their head. Yeah. But how much oomph was on it? That's the question. Then the oomph. It wasn't a punch. Like it, it I, I heard on the, I was listening to um, um, national radio on my drive home. They're like, DK Metcalf was ejected from the game for throwing a punch. And I'm thinking, oh, like I, I need to see this because, you know, idiots are defined in football by throwing a punch with a guy who's wearing a helmet. I'm, that makes no sense to throw a punch. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, it, it's not really a punt. Like he shoved him off as kind of just like a, a parting gesture on the way off the field. To me, the more interesting part is that he tried to stay in the game. Like two plays later, he went on the field. Well, I guess it was kind they, of the Julio Jones. Like, I guess when hey? they announced that you've been ejected for throwing a punch, you're like, well, they can't be talking about me. Huh? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like when uh, Jalen Ramsey got the. Uh, they went back and changed the first penalty. Changed the call. Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah, you DK changed. was like, don't, yeah, you, you, thought, don't you change the call I thought you guys us? changed that. I thought I was like the Jalen Ramsey exception. Yeah, you I, ejected I was me, and then you unejected me. <laughs> Which, no, uh, that, was, that was number 12 that got ejected. They have the power to do. Chad, as uh, we transition to Knoxville, the, the most stressful games are behind the Tennessee Volunteers, right? Yes. It is coast. It's officially coast season. Now, you're not going to buy them. Although this. these games can get quite stressful yeah, when I you know. don't play well. I know. <laughs> uh, but it is officially... These games will be more stressful than the tough ones Stanford. when you fall behind. Brent Hubbs is saying it's 50-plus in each game. That's his prediction. His, his I like uh, it. off-the-wall prediction for VolQuest. 
With that in mind, what are some things you're watching for against South Alabama this week? So South Alabama is, I believe, two and four in the Sun Belt. They just lost 31 to seven to Appalachian State on the road. Um, their starting quarterback, Jake Bentley, former South Carolina yeah. quarterback, is injured, probably not playing. It's been out the last two weeks. That's been a big part of their problem. Um, they're good against the run, though. They're first in the Sun Belt in stopping the run. It's a swarm defense, is what Kane Womack, who is the uh, 31-year-old head coach of South Alabama, calls this defense. Um, a lot of odd fronts, different things they're going to do. Question number one for me, and my key number one is, get the ground game going. Let's see if Tennessee can run the ball against the best run defense of the Sun Belt because they've not been able to run the ball effectively against good teams that they've played this year. They did not run the ball well at all against Georgia other than really some quarterback runs at times, but then the sacks negated that. Want to see if Tennessee can get back to running the ball. Jabari Small, is he going to be healthy in this? Can they get Jalen Wright or Leneth Whitehead, someone else going at running back? Tyon Evans, I'm not. I'm assuming it's not going to be a factor. Yeah, I I think you're saving for the bowl game at this point. His ankle does not look right when he tried to play against Kentucky. So get back to running. Uh, Key number two, defense has been miserable the last two weeks. Uh, Georgia's got a big part to do with that. Kentucky's offense is not that good. And Tennessee made them look really good. They were able to drive and pick up third downs. Defense needs to step back up in this game. This is a manageable task for this defense to stop... South Alabama's ground attack and to make life difficult on their backup quarterback. Something you want to see in this game. By the way, South Alabama's offensive coordinator, Major Applewhite, a name that everyone wow. uh, will know. Yeah. Three, and Josh Heupel hinted at this, Tennessee's got to bring the same intensity regardless if you have the charged up atmosphere of Georgia in black uniforms at 3.30 on CBS or you have 80,000 people in the stands and it's 28 degrees at night against South Alabama. So Tennessee has coming off of two games emotionally charged. They should pipe in the emotional, Yes, or pipe in whatever was going on in Lexington at Kroger Field, the freezer, the freezer, freezer section <laughs> at Kroger Field. But two charged-up atmospheres. You know, Kentucky at night, that was an emotional win, a charged-up place, and then against Georgia at Neyland, it's going to be very different Saturday night. 7.30 Eastern kickoff. I've looked at the last forecast I saw said it's going to be the 30s during that game and getting down to the high 20s possibly uh, throughout the game. Um, bring that, bring gear it up. You got to gear it up in a game where you're not going to have that that same atmosphere. Look, if Tennessee does a few of these things, they're going to win going okay. away right. against South Alabama. Another thing, this is kind of a, a fourth side note. I'll, I'll say, Hinton Hooker needs to bounce back because he was not good against Georgia. Granted, it's Georgia, and Hendon Hooker's been great. He set the bar awfully high with his play, but he made some uncharacteristic mistakes. I don't know what happened on the interception where he sort of threw it in between two guys right to a Georgia defender, uh, and that was, that was when the game was still, I think, 10-10 to 10 at that point. They just got a first down. They're approaching midfield. He throws an awful pick. He had the bad fumble where he had lost 20 yards on a sack trying to scramble and fumbled it. Uh, Hinton Hooker needs to bounce back in this game, and it's, there's going to be an opportunity to. Against the South Alabama defense that's going to aim to confuse, but should not present a big challenge to this Tennessee offense. Those are my keys. Hinton Hooker did not look great against Georgia. Not many quarterbacks do. Yeah, that's about um, Georgia. There, there were points left out there. Uh, he just did not look like himself, right? It was not the... 
we we knew he he was going to have to play nearly perfect for any chance of a fourth quarter upset. But we saw the first quarter, and then I saw Georgia figure out whatever Tennessee was trying to do. It was a nice job by Georgia. This is also it also pairs with your run game comment. I want to see Hendon Hooker just get back in. in well, rhythm. there were there were plenty of opportunities, even though the score got out of hand. Um, it, it kind of felt like the Florida game back when Florida it was did. playing well, yeah. where they had plenty of opportunities to be right there in the second half. And the, when they'd get it to fourth and two, fourth, the play you had to make, they just wouldn't make. There's a play that Heupel runs that's one of the more interesting play designs I've seen where with a right-handed quarterback, he rolls left immediately. There's no fake or anything. And it usually leads to a quarterback run. It looks like they're going to pass it, but it's really a run. It's kind of faking the pass where everyone's in crossing routes coming to you, but the quarterback just turns it up and runs it. That was the fourth and three play down 24 to 10, where Tennessee got a three and out to start the second half, got the ball, drove to the Georgia 10, had it fourth and three or four. And it was a miserable looking play because Hooker just threw it 15 yards out of the end zone. Yeah. On fourth down, there was no one open and he couldn't run it. Um, that to me was one of those turning moment plays. The interception was another one. Tennessee had scored on their first two drives. They go down and score again. You start to put some first half pressure on Georgia at that point. You know, little big things like that. You know, a, a pivotal play, you know when it's happening. Tennessee's got to get this to stay in the game. They couldn't get it. The good news is they get South Alabama and Vandy now. So just play your style and play well, and Tennessee should be just fine in both of these next two games. But there are some things that I really want to see in this game against South Alabama, and one is what we just mentioned. I want to see Hinton Hooker bounce back and play better. Chad, how are they at linebacker and safety moving forward in the recruiting aspect? Because that's where, that's where I mean, watching Georgia put up 274 rushing yards and averaging 7.5 yards per carry, and that's excluding the sacks here, but they had 11 runs of 10 or more yards. They... The defensive line has been very, uh, not not great, but they've been a very pleasant surprise. That's where the yeah. tackle for a loss starts. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, at linebacker and at safety, there is a lot to be desired. They, they were in a bad place at linebacker to start the season. Juwan Mitchell, who was Texas's leading tackler, played one game, one and a half games, out for the season. That hurt Toe-toe them. Toe left. Yeah. So they, I mean, they were already thin because of a lot of lot of people left. Yeah. But because of everyone that left and what they had. They're not very good at linebacker. Jeremy Banks plays hard. Uh, he was a running back when he got to Tennessee. I think he's still learning the position right now. Um, safety, though, I know they had a, a, at least one or two junior college safeties in this week. They need immediate help at safety. I'm not talking freshman help. They need transfers yeah, yeah, right, or they right. need JUCO players because watch that first Georgia touchdown from Quinn Cook and watch Flowers – and McCullough, and I, I know specifically on this play is Flowers, tried to take an angle on Quinn Cook. I mean, it is, it looked like a linebacker chasing a receiver on the play, and it was a running back and a safety. That's how much slower Flowers was than Cook on that play. Tennessee's just not you can fast. See the talent safety. gap right there. Yeah, it's just they're not fast enough. And, and it showed up, Paul, you mentioned that Stetson Bennett had two plays where Tennessee looks like they've got him dead to rights in the backfield, and it's a bad angle. And then he easily, the one touchdown, the first one, looked like Tennessee should have tackled him, and he just kind of cuts it up and runs it easily into the end zone. That's where Tennessee's got to get better. Byron Young's coming along. I think he's going to be a really good player. He's 23 years old and a, and a great story. But he's starting to look like a legit pass rush option 
for Tennessee. Physically, he looks the part. He's got speed. Tennessee needs more of that in the pass rush, but they really need help in the speed department at linebacker and safety. They're, they're just slow at both positions. I will say this, and I failed to mention this when mentioning Hendon Hooker and him not looking like his usual self. Javante Payton's injury really played a role in all that, too. Yeah, and Ramel Keaton came in and played pretty well. You know, he had the one play that, that honestly, Peyton would have scored a touchdown yeah, on. Right. Where he looked, because their timing, Hooker and his timing's been perfect. Or he looked back too early and it went through his hands. But I thought Ramel Keaton, who had not caught a pass since Tennessee Tech early in the season. It's been that long. Put in that spot with uh, when Javante Peyton went out. I thought, he, I thought he performed well. Peyton, though, that was the initial, the first drive. I think he got hurt on the play. They had the pass interference in the end zone. Tennessee faked the, the little Tim Tebow fake where they faked the quarterback draw and he went back and threw it deep to Peyton on the first series of the game and they all Georgia could do was interfere. He, the guy just said, you're not going to score a touchdown and ran him over. Um, that was the play where Peyton got hurt. Those slow guys are going to look really fast in this game. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't... <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they, should, they should look better against dun, South Alabama. Dun, dun, you will not be hearing that music on ESPN. Well, you might hear it in a different room. I think it's a different it TV, a different game. It would, me, it would get me ready. Tennessee's next two start times and South networks. Alabama will be playing that. Trust me. South Alabama. So this is a thirty a.m. This is a big day for Tennessee athletics on ESPNU because Tennessee will play number five Villanova in basketball at noon okay. on ESPNU, and then they're right back on ESPNU playing football at six thirty Central. The Tennessee takeover. Against uh, South Alabama. <laughs> What's on takeover. in between? I'm interested to know. Uh, when, girls, women's volleyball. I should say girls' volleyball. Women's college volleyball. Who knows? And then uh, the fi- final game of the season against Vanderbilt. 245? Is the we were talking about this yesterday. 245 kickoff on SEC it's Network. It's like they threw a dart. Have they, I've never seen a 15 or 45 start time in the SEC. Oh, the pageantry. They had to make It's always time. 30 or on, you know, it's a kickoff it's like 6.07 p.m., but 6 o'clock is the announced time, right? Vanderbilt's right. got something big going on. Well, the game's in Knoxville, so unless Vandy's got no, like bringing, something back here, they got big. <laughs> they're bringing something Guys, big. we're getting an extra 15 minutes. We're really going to be getting there right in the nick of time to stretch and warm up and be out there. we got no a big blue. breakfast. <laughs> it's parent breakfast weekend at Vanderbilt. Coming up, uh, two notes. First, uh, we'll discuss Coach K. The farewell tour has a little blemish. <laughs> yeah, you will big, not oh want to be his grandson today. I, just, you don't want to be his grandson I'm today. cringing for Thanksgiving at oh, the Krzyzewski yeah. Savarino house. And, Paul, I don't think you have to worry about Carlos Correa and the Yankees. I, I don't want to worry about it. Uh, I've got an example of why if he were signed today, there would be a riot outside of Yankee Stadium. That's next. Paul sounded like, I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> So star freshman Paolo Banchero Hello. at Duke, along with Coach K's grandson, they face charges related to DWI. Coach K's grandson, Michael Savarino, reportedly charged with DWI, along with that star freshman. So you Duke. can get, and he might be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, Paolo Banchero. I think that's how you pronounce it. Is it Caro or Shero? I feel like Jay Billis said Boncaro, Boncaro. when I was watching okay. the Kentucky-Duke game, but yeah. I could be wrong. Um, th- this, is, this is tough. I also didn't know you could get a, a contributing to DWI in the passenger seat. So I guess if you're it was his age. grandson driving, and then he well, had open container contributing to DWI or something. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, know. Know, didn't know that was a thing. That makes for a tough Thanksgiving holiday when uh, your grandson 
is the one that gets the star player when your grandson's yeah. a walk-on of the team in granddad's final season that gets uh and I'm I'm assuming they don't they play tonight against some nobody. And Severino, by the way, is I'm the assuming son, they don't play. Uh, it's his grandson. It's also the son of Duke assistant A D, Debbie Severino. Duke assistant A D. Yep. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um I mean look, worse things have happened. In oh, college, sure. obviously, a lot of worse things have happened in the NFL recently, but uh, that's just tough with the family ties yep. and it being the star player. Where you know, well, let's, you know, let's face it, you your know grandson's not the star player. Well, but no, but but the star headline maker because yeah. it's Mike Shashevsky's grandson and freshman star. That's is, the is headline. There no Lyft or Uber there. I mean, I'm sure there is. That that's the thing that gets you is. I, I think that his grandson has enough money <laughs> for know. Uber, right? Like Coach K's grandson the, and also the uh, associate AD's son. Right, for sure. Probably could spring for Uber. Now, he could also be coming back and say, uh, Granddad, how do you think I got Paolo to commit here on the recruiting visit? That I'm the guy who goes out with him because no one else on the team will. He's my buddy. Who knows? Um, Paul, Carlos Correa. He was on the Mugustan Los Deportes podcast last week. Of course week. he was. It's and someone, someone has listened and translated. Quote, and I bring this up only because we mentioned Correa earlier in the show, ties to the Yankees offseason. Paul doesn't want him. Well, Correa isn't going to be else. wanted by anyone in New York. They translated uh, part of his uh, interview, and he said, quote, Derek Jeter, how many gold gloves did he win? Five, I think he won. Derek Jeter didn't deserve any. That from Carlos Correa. <laughs> well, I mean, Derek Jeter was generally overrated defensively, but I did see him <laughs> I mean, dive into... That's not what you want to be saying you know, if you're about to be a New York Yankee. I did see him dive into uh, the bleachers, make a terrific catch where he cut up his face, and he made a flip at home plate on a double cutoff to get a guy out during a playoff series against the A's that is like an unprecedented coverage of space. You don't diss the former the captain. captain. You don't, it's not, not, it's yeah. not even the former yeah. captain. The you, captain. Don't, you don't diss the captain. The guy's nickname is the captain. Listen, go bang your garbage cans somewhere else. I like the fact that it's not talked about Houston keeping him. Like, why is, it, why is there no possibility of his own team keeping him? Paul, every I want other you premier to, player I, I want you about. to stick with this and root against him every time he's at bat for your Yankees. I don't, I don't want him. I, I, the other thing is we need lefties. I don't know if you've seen our ballpark. You will take him if they sign him. You will, ch- you you will change you your will tune. Him. You will change your tune so quickly. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We, need, they we need lefties, but you're out on Freddie Freeman as a Yankee. All your thoughts. I don't want old, <laughs> I, I don't want old guys either. 32 years old. Uh, he's 32. Very specific. 32. 32. And at the end of that contract, he's going to be an albatross. Who cares? You'd win in between them. You don't want it's, Braves. It's hurt us. You don't want Astros. That's what I'm hearing. I don't want you don't, want, you don't want the two teams representing the World Series. <laughs> yes. I don't want World Series uh, Paul, performers or winners. Paul does not want uh, excellence. I don't want guys who are going to come and win their Matt, first, first one in the Bronx. <laughs> Matt Olson is 27, Paul, but he's from Atlanta. Does that change your tune on Matt Olson? I don't care where he's from. He's, he's All right. He grew up in Atlanta. He's Just watch out, part he's of you high Atlanta. school in Atlanta. I know Listen, you hate Atlanta. if you're from Atlanta and you come to New York, you never go back. I'm sorry that he's not from Connecticut. <laughs> You'd like that be better. better. That would be better. 
Paul also hates the Pittsburgh Penguins now because the Fenway Sports Group now owns them. That's the How does other that ownership work? group. <laughs> How does Fenway? <laughs> I, I mean, they have the Bruins right there, and they go and buy the Penguins. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I mean, how am I feeling if I'm a Boston Bruins fan? I, in, in I know. Boston? I'm getting more and more uncomfortable with these sports conglomerates yeah. that own like weird things like that you don't. Well, like yeah. the Liberty MSG Media owns Group. the Forum. Go look at what the Liberty Media Group that owns the Braves, what else they own. By supporting, very random the Penguins, collection of things by supporting the Penguins in Pittsburgh, I'm helping finance the Red Sox oh, who said against pinguine? the Pirates. Pinguine? Pinguine. That was uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> God, that's good audio. Benedict Cumberbatch. Good wholesome oh, We are audio. back at it tomorrow. Chris Johnson, CJ2K, joins Penguins. us on Outkick 360. Penguins. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.